Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very merry edition of Spinning the Reel. I am your host, Evan. Speaking of merry, I'm those uh, marshmallows inside your hot chocolate. It's Cody, guys. What's going on? I think, I think you did that one last week. No, I didn't. I did not do the marshmallows. I think I think you did one of those. No, you I did, did that jelly one to the peanut butter last week, Evan. Get you it did right. peas in a pod one week. And I did peanut butter. And, I'm, and I think you did marshmallows. Chocolate. I think no, you did marshmallows one time. I did time. not. <laughs> anyway, uh, one of us should have been like, I'm your ho-ho host. That, that would have been good. Oh, oh my work. God. Let's anyway. restart all of this just for that. <laughs> I'm your ho-ho host. <laughs> anyway, we're recording this on uh, December 23rd. Festivus, if you will. Um, so, yeah, what do, we, what do we got today, Cody? Uh, well, we got... Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. That was the unsaid, unscripted film of our week. Uh, it was on Netflix, of course. Mm-hmm. It looked pretty interesting. You had already watched it. I saw that you reviewed it on Letterboxd, and I it said, must, "It must have I'm come all out game, man." That day. Yeah. Then we uh, we're gonna skip a little break. It's gonna be Cody's Christmas story quiz. It's been the month of quiz, apparently. I don't know why we're testing people in December. That's you know. This is supposed to be break time. We're not supposed finals. to finals. Finals yeah, month. You're right. It is finals. This, but uh, we'll do that. We'll see how that goes, and then we're gonna wrap it all up with uh, the small axe project with the last film, uh, education. So, wow. Well, that sounds good. like a busy show, and it sounds like for once in our lives we have a plan. So we should stick to it. I should also mention that I wrote a review of Minari, a movie that nobody can see until February. Um, so if you guys want to get excited about one of the best movies um, of the year that you won't be able to see for a couple months, check that out on the site, spinningthereel.com. You have a review for us, Cody? No, I didn't finish it. Holidays, Insane. man. What can I say? What can I say? You can say excuses. That's it. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry that I couldn't pull through for you with that Christmas gift of having a review up of Wolf Walkers. It will definitely okay. be in my top 10. So maybe if I'll just. If you want a Wolf Walkers review, I have one up on the site from a few months ago. Well, you just have it all, Evan. You know, Ooh. I don't even know why I'm here anymore. But whatever. All right, let's get to the show. All right, Cody, here we are. First review segment at it again. We're talking about a Netflix original movie here. We are talking about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, directed yeah. by George C. Wolf. Um, you said it's on Netflix. What, what is this movie? Would you believe it if I told you I knew nothing about this movie yet again going in? Like, is that like a theme now? Like, I just see a movie that I know nothing about. So many movies pop up now. You're just like, movie here, movie there. I don't know where I'm going with this. Anyways, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is a movie about the mother of blues, Ma Rainey, of course, and her uh, hit song, Black Bottom. And it kind of takes us into a recording studio. I, is it Chicago? I think it's Chicago. I think so. I'm not 100% sure. Anyways, it's it's up north. So like, there's the whole thing about being up north. So I want to say yeah, it's I Chicago. I think it's Chicago, but it was filmed in Pittsburgh which is kind of weird, but yes. Um, And anyways, it kind of takes us through 
the band and them getting ready to re do the whole recording uh, session, all this kind of stuff, uh, specifically Chadwick Boseman. There's no way around without talking about it. Um, and then Viola Davis, who plays Ma Rainey, uh, she kind of gets involved a little bit later after the band's already down rehearsing and getting ready and all that and going through their quarrels of, you know, how they kind of had to struggle through all this or why they take this direction from Ma Rainey and all that kind of stuff. And uh, then we get, like I said, Ma Rainey involved in her own struggle of having to deal with it and being the mother of blues and uh, dealing with what she calls the white man in uh, the North and stuff and I, mean, I don't know if you have to say what she calls the white man. They are they are white men up in the north. I'm just quoting her, man. I don't know what to tell you. These are my <laughs> overly descriptive plot descriptions when I told you I haven't seen this movie going in, like nothing yep. about mm -hmm. it. So I went a little detailed. What can I say? It's fair. That is that's it. Why wouldn't you? So that's uh, that's pretty much the premise, man. Yeah. So interesting thing about this. So this is adapted from uh, a play by August Wilson. And August Wilson is a very famous playwright, uh, writing about a lot of black stories. Uh, one of his most famous plays was adapted uh, to film in 2016, a movie called Fences. I don't know if you saw it or not, starring yeah. Denzel Washington and also Viola Davis. So there's a bit of a track record with um, adapting August Wilson's work to film. And, and I think, um, I'll, let you, I'll let you go here in just a second, but I, I think it kind of works. For me, did it did it work for you? Did you have a have a good time with this movie? Yeah, I, it's like I said, I, I knew nothing, so it wasn't what I was expected. Like I I watched the trailer first, so I thought it was like going to be more about if it looked like it was going to be her touring, like more of her like tour mm -hmm. around like you know America and stuff, and and him kind of rising to fame too, Chadwick Boseman characters and stuff, um, and kind of wanting to go his own way. But yeah, it completely takes a different direction. It, it reminded me a lot. It was really rapid in the beginning when they start rehearsing and stuff. So it had like a lot of like Aaron Sorkin vibes. And I guess the play thing has something to do with it. Uh, I, I was unaware of that, to be honest with you, um, that plays in. But yeah, it, it definitely picks up. I like the pace, I should say. And it picks up probably around the middle of the movie where it starts to get really interesting, where every character has their own struggles or their own quarrels that they're kind of dealing with. And uh, in my review, that kind of sums it up. Uh, you know, I don't want to step on Chadwick Boseman's shoes, but uh, it, it does feel like you kind of get put in them, not only with his character, but a lot of the characters. And it's definitely interesting. So uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a good it was a good time. And you kind of learn a little something. I think that's been the premise of this entire month. Right. Kind of ties in a little bit with the Small X Project. If you yeah, go I there. Mean, so th these are both the, the Small X series as a whole and, and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, of course, too, are all they're all stories about racism more or less you know i mean ma rainey's black bottom is a little more of a character study of specific people in, in this time and like how different folks dealt with the racism that they faced in that era and so you kind of see it a little bit and and i want to talk about chadwick boseman but i do want to make a point of talking about the movie irrespective of him first i don't think this movie works the way it does without him and without Viola Davis being the tremendous actors they, they are. But I, I think that the story, regardless of who is in the roles, um, is important. And so I, I kind of like the way that as each of these characters is talking about their experience, uh, their experiences in the past being brought forward, telling the stories about different, different people and, and whatnot, you get this sense of sort of how 
each of them deals with these uh the white people up in the north right that um essentially at this time black people could move up to the north and like their only opportunities were to uh, work labor jobs up yes. north in factories and stuff like that and so for specifically for uh, chadwick boseman's character levy um his his thought is like i'm this great trumpet player like i am this great songwriter, I'm going to be the next Ma Rainey. I'm going to like pay my dues, but I, once I get my opportunity, I'm going to take it. I'm going to have my own band and I'm going to be Ma Rainey. And, and Ma Rainey, of course, knows that she's got this influence as well. So she's the only character that doesn't cower to the producers at any point. She's the one that's, that's turning the screws on them. And you sort of can see how like the dynamics work that, that Levy sort of gets stepped all over um, because he doesn't really matter to the process uh, in the same way that Ma Rainey is this brand uh, as much as a person can be a brand in, in the 1920s. But I, I think it's, it's a really interesting exploration of racism in, in a specific sense of where it applies to you unless you are exceptional in some way. And you get, you get a lot of that nowadays still too, you know, like we, we've just gone through this, whole cycle of reckoning and it's it's ongoing about like police violence against black people and and whatnot and you see it it's different for like celebrities and so we see that depicted in film and stuff as well where like if you are a basketball player or something and the cop recognizes you then then it's all good but like if you're just a regular everyday person i know this is getting sort of like off on a tangent into a different thing Well, i'm just you know at this point it's the evan show man yeah but i i just think it's interesting that like this is a depiction of that same sort of dynamic but back in the 1920s and it it makes you think about how like you're watching it and it's old time and you think like we're not in that world anymore but sort of we kind of are in a way like it's not exactly the same but there's a lot that still hasn't changed. And I think that's one of the interesting dynamics at play here. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you definitely see uh, Levy as a character who's just, he's ambitious, very overly ambitious. He knows he's good. He's, he's cocky about it because he knows he's good. Um, where you see all the other characters in the band uh, kind of, they understand that they're obviously they understand that they're black, but they understand that they don't have that, star power that that voice that ma rainey has and they're they're okay with the basically taking orders and direction from ma rainey to get the paycheck because like you said a lot of going up north meant for these you know black people to take labor jobs and whatnot so to them it's you know i at least i got the feeling that they were just all privileged to be in the band like that that they were able to make a living you know doing something that they you know ultimately love um where uh, Levy's character, he loves it, but he wants you know more. My band, my band, my mm-hmm. band, and uh, you do get to that point where he takes over uh, the screen with his acting. That's Chadwick Boseman. That is when he when he tells that story. I think that's where I really like really got involved because I think that's when all the characters started to open up. Um, and he explains the situation with like how his dad left and stuff, and like he's like, "You don't know me, you don't know me," because he he did. He went and bought like new shoes, and he wants to look the part. He wants to dress the part. You know, he has all these new songs that he's trying to like mm-hmm. give to the uh, studio recording uh, guy and all that. And 
yeah, regardless, he goes through and like tells his story and it just, it really kind of sits with you as he tells his story about how his mom was basically uh, raped by all these like white guys and stuff. And, you know, there's just that, that tension, that silence and stuff where, you know, they don't even know what to say and they kind of just kind of jumps back in the recording. Um, but then, like I said, when they open up, like as the movie progresses, like you, Ma Rainey gets into the situation where she's talking uh, with the the trombone guy upstairs, right? And having her cigarette and stuff while they're waiting for her Coke because that was like a big thing. <laughs> and and you're right. Like she commands the room because she she knows, like she said, you know, the next day it could be anyone else. They just want her for her voice. That is mm-hmm. the brand is her voice. And so she makes it a point that, you know, everything that she wanted, you know, you could look at her and, you know, some people might say, oh, that's just too much. She's, you know, a drama queen, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, as simple as a Coke and all this kind of stuff or, you know, her uh, nephew, you know, having that stutter problem to do the recording and stuff. And she's like, I don't care. 20 times, 30 times, 40 times, we're going to, we're going to sit here until we get it right before we continue kind of thing. So, right. She understands that she has the power in that situation yeah. and she's going to make the most of it, which is great. And like, you can see why uh, Levy is kind of pushing back against that because he, he wants that, you know, like he wants to be in that position as well. He doesn't want to have to, to like bow down and, and kind of do what everyone tells him to do. And I think you see that with the rest of the band as well, where they just sort of, and they're all supposed to, well, that, that's part of it's the Chadwick Boseman of it all. And Chadwick Boseman always looked a lot younger than he was. Um, but the rest of the band definitely plays older. And I think they all are older than Chadwick Boseman was at the time of filming this. Um, and, and you can just see like, they've, they've been through this. Like they, this is, this is what they do, you know, like they just kind of keep their heads down and get to work and get paid and move on to the next thing. And it's a, it's been a good gig to them. Um, but let's, let's talk about Chadwick Boseman because I think naturally on the news of his, his tragic passing earlier this year, and then knowing that this was going to be his last performance, there was already buzz around it at that point, even when people hadn't seen the movie in it's in its final form. But I mean, he, he delivers in, in a way that, is different than I think he normally does. I mean, I haven't seen all of his movies, but it's a very different character than, than T'Challa in Black Panther. It's a very different character than Jackie Robinson in, uh, in 42. Uh, I'm trying to think if I've seen too much else. I, I'm sure I have, but it's just, it's a very different thing than I think we're used to from yeah. Chadwick Boseman. And I, I kind of wonder what you thought of his performance overall. I- yeah, I mean, you mentioned all those other movies, and I think the most recent one I saw that I hadn't seen in that bunch was uh, Bobby Brown. That Bobby Brown uh, bio oh, get on up. did too. Yeah, get on up. Um, and he does play all these characters that have a significance in history, which is really cool, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, this is another movie that I guess expands on that range of him as an actor. To where uh, I'll, I'll keep going back to that scene because I don't know how you don't talk about that scene when he talks about his mom. Like, it's just, it it's almost feels like it's just like not even acting, right? Like, there's just those moments where someone goes off on a, a dialogue or a script in mm-hmm. a film and you just totally believe it. And it was in that scene, you, I myself, you just, you get wrapped up in it all and you just totally believe it. And that's why I left it in my letterbox review. It's like, I just feel like I was in his shoes, like just really sitting there listening to his story and stuff. Yeah. Um, 
and it, it's just crazy. Yeah, he's he's just very he was very very talented at what he did, and um, definitely made a huge impact on a lot of people in the world. And I know his movies will continue to make such an impact. Like I said, having historical value in a lot of them, right? So um, it's always cool to see him on screen. Uh, so he will be missed, I should say. Yeah, and I mean, we got two knockout performances from him this year. He was great in The Five Bloods as well, which I forgot to mention off the top. He played, it was actually James Brown that he played in Get On Up, just just to clarify for the record. Um, <laughs> what did I say? Bobby Brown. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think he's tremendous in this. He's probably going to win an Oscar. Um, the thing that sticks with me is that uh, that sort of, I don't even know how to how to describe it, but when he's he's going off on, on uh, Coleman Domingo's character after he says, uh, "I forget," it's, it's been like a week since I've seen this movie, but uh, this rant, if you want to call it a rant, about um, like what's God gonna do, like what's God ever done for me, and this yeah. whole thing, and and that it was that scene for me that really packed a punch more than anything else because it almost felt like Chadwick Boseman who no one else knew the condition he was in, but but he did at the time, right? He had to know that he didn't have a whole lot of time left and it almost felt personal. It almost felt like he was pleading for his own life. You know, he was, he was saying like, what, what have I done to deserve this? Like why I I'm going to go be a star. Like I'm going to make my way. And, And maybe that's not fair to, like mix the two together his personal story and the plot line of this character who I'm, i think is a fictional character uh created for this story but and, and like i said maybe it's not fair but it, it sure felt like it was personal you know it sure felt like he was giving every piece of himself authentically to that role and maybe that's just him like maybe that's just the way he approached acting and you could that's why you, you felt so connected to his characters even in movies that weren't great um that he was always great in them so that that was just kind of what i felt watching it i felt like i i didn't want it to be about chadwick boseman being dead in this segment and and in the movie when i watched it but you watch that movie and it's so unavoidable he is so omnipresent in that performance that it's just it's an, it's pretty incredible but I do want to spread the love around a little bit as well, too, because Viola Davis as Ma Rainey is fantastic as well, right? Yeah, she's she's pretty, like I said, she's a badass, man. At first, I was like, man, this is a prima donna. But then, uh, like I said, you get halfway through the movie, you start to, once she actually, because she's not even involved, like I said, for the first, you know, couple minutes as it is anyway. Right. Um, and when she does get involved, um, you, you see it in, with what she says and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, you know what? you're you're right because it it takes a minute to put you back in that seat in that time period to realize you know oh yeah you know they do have to go through all this shit and stuff so um once you once you take that minute and realize it and like i said the pacing and all like this movie overall was just it was a good time man like i actually really enjoyed this movie Um, yeah surprised that i I hadn't even you know with chadwick boseman and all that being in it i hadn't even heard of it man it's but I know, crazy, I know it's man. popping on Netflix right now. I, I know that for sure. Yeah, the, the Netflix and the Disney Plus and, and all, it's mostly those two. We'll just release things without advertising them at all. <laughs> and you're just like, what is this movie that just dropped that everybody's watching all of a sudden? Exactly. 
like I, it's Disney's the worst for me where they're just like every week it's some new movie that I've never heard of. And like, I'm tuned into all this stuff and I'm every time, but yeah, you're right. It is doing really well on Netflix, which again, I think it has to be the Chadwick Boseman effect of it all. Like he is just so beloved, especially after joining the MCU uh, as, mm-hmm. as black Panther that I just think people are dying to, to seek that out because this I mean, this is a star vehicle, right? It's it's Chadwick Boseman, it's Viola Davis. But like the director hasn't really done much else, um, George Wolf, and it's not exactly like a big IP franchise thing or anything like that. It's just a movie with a couple of good actors doing good acting. It's like it's like the two popes from last year or whatever, you know. Um, although this is a little more exciting than that, and. It's crazy because like Mank came out last year and that is also a star vehicle, but it's a, it's a prestige director that everybody knows. It was like this highly anticipated movie and nobody cared on Netflix. I think it topped out at like number nine on the, the, the list. And, and this one here, everybody's watching it. It's I think still number one on the charts and it, and it was as soon as it came out, like everyone wanted to see Chadwick Boseman's last performance and, it's awesome. Good for them. Like good, because they're seeing a good movie too. So, yeah, I'm all for it. Of course. So if you haven't seen it yet, and we haven't mentioned it enough, again, it's on Netflix, and uh, I guess we can probably just wrap it up right here. Letterbox Roundup. I gave this movie three and a half out of five stars. I too gave it three and a half out of five stars. I <gasps> I thought very briefly about four stars, but I uh, I decided. Three and a half would do it. It was right on the edge. All right, Cody, it's time to play another game. So you already had a revenge quiz last week i did for my christmas quiz yeah so now you're having your own christmas quiz for me i you know what i'm having a cody's christmas story quiz is this I'm about take the movie you, christmas story no it's not it has nothing okay. to necessarily do with the christmas stories it's obviously is overrated and i don't i don't remember <laughs> much of it <laughs> i had to have a quiz because of what what kind of you had kind to. of game master would i be without a quiz but it's also Christmas time, Evan. I figured I'll take you through a little bit of, you know, the Christmas spirit. Maybe like uh, my own Christmas, you know, experience of what I go through for Christmas Eve and Christmas. <sighs> okay. So, you know, you know, Thanksgiving's done and all the decorations for Thanksgiving go down. Decorations come up for Christmas and, you know, the movies like Hallmark. I, I'd be lying if Hallmark was not on that TV out there for my parents every night. That's it's inevitable. <laughs> so you know i can you're right it is horrible i can only there's very few i've seen a few just to hang out with them regardless it's not the point of getting to the quiz no that is the point because it is, <laughs> no how can anyone sit through a whole hallmark movie and i say that as someone who sat through the full two-hour runtime of ammonite yesterday how <laughs> how does one do this out of the love of the christmas spirit evan and my parents okay don't diss me <laughs> Anyways, I have my own Christmas movies that I like that you probably even don't like. And the one I always watch every year without fail, I probably start with the Polar Express. 
I know it's not the best movie in the world. I love Tom Hanks. What can I say? Glorious voiceover actor in this. This answers, or this brings me to my first question: How many, if can you name them all, characters does he voiceover in Polar Express? I haven't the slightest idea. I I, I, you got you got to. I hate that movie. You got to give me something disturbing. You got to give me something. Robert Zemeckis should be put in the Hague for that movie, Um, and all the other movies he's made subsequently. Oddly enough, um, can you name one character? Three? He plays, doesn't he play like he's like a conductor and then oh, there's one. He's, he's Santa. There's two. And he's probably the kid's dad or something. I don't know. He is the kid's dad. There's three. Is there, that all but of them? He, no, he's the kid himself. He's he's the hero. That doesn't boy. make any sense. He's the he's Scrooge. And you Scrooge missed the Scrooge is, oh, I did. I don't remember I, that movie at all. I, I'll say you don't remember that movie at all. This could be a very hard quiz game if you don't remember that movie because I feel like it doesn't get any better than that one, Evan. I'll be honest with you right now. Anyways, I digress and I continue. So I got Christmas three story. out of five is what you're saying. You did. You got you got three out of five. That's pretty good. Actually, hey. three out of six. You Solid. missed the boy, you missed the hobo, and you missed Scrooge. Oh, yeah. Well. Anyways, another – we're going to continue on my Christmas story. Usually around, I guess, the day before Christmas Eve, not tonight, but – Anyways, That's, that is tonight. You're right. It is. <laughs> God, I, every day is the same. It is. I like to make peanut brittle and ginger cookies with my dad. This brings me to another movie that I like to watch when we do set activities together. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. That has nothing to do with peanut brittle and it making has, cookies. It does. It, it, <laughs> that was irrelevant. I, it Go. is completely okay. irrelevant. It is a tradition that I have with my father. How is that not relevant? It's Isn't that the do. whole thing? The whole thing is the tradition. All right, go ahead. It's a Can wonderful life. Can you name the quote in George Bailey's book at the end of the film? He has a book at the end of the film? <laughs> <laughs> I remember the part where he says he's going to lasso the moon. I remember I, the part where an <laughs> angel gets its wings every time a bell rings. Hey, I remember hey, that. Hey, you're halfway there. You're halfway there. I think you know the quote. Do you know the quote? Is is it every time a bell rings, an angel gets no. its wings? No, he opens up a book and it says, remember, no man is a failure who has friends. Thanks for the wings. Love, Clarence. Oh, I do remember that now. But I, why uh, would see? you think that I would know that? <laughs> hey, you know, I told you this quiz wasn't going to be easy. This is my Christmas story. These are things that I do tradition. I'm taking you through my Christmas story and having a little quiz for you along the way. Get over okay. it. Okay. All right. Uh, speaking of wings... This- Gets me kind of hungry. You know, I like food around the holidays, of course. I think everyone likes food around the holidays. Everyone Um, likes food all the time, Cody. There you go, especially if it's free. Uh, I enjoy a nice cooked meal on Christmas Eve. Who doesn't, like I said? But it usually centers around that main main dish, right? And for us, it's always the honey-glazed ham. Which movie is a ham being fought over in the marketplace? Oh, that movie is one that I can't remember. But I I know that... (laughs) I have seen this scene where they're fighting over the last ham. Yes. Uh, is this Santa Claus? I don't know. This Santa Claus. Well, it is with Tim Allen. It is Christmas with the Cranks. Ugh. It was a good movie. It was a funny movie. I guess it wasn't. We can argue if it's good or not. Regardless, Christmas with the Cranks was the correct answer, Evan. You're, you're right. doing horrible at this quiz, but I hope you're mm-hmm. learning something about me no. along the way about my Christmas traditions, Evan. Um, so anyways, after dinner, you know, it's usually present time, right? Christmas Eve, we always eat. And then, it, and then it's, you know, the white elephant and present time with the family, mom's side of the family. And there's always that one gift each year, right? Whether it's on Christmas Eve or Christmas, like you're excited for it. You want to get it. 
you're ready for it. You know, it's the only like one big thing you've been asking for. And of course you're optimistic about getting it. I mean, it's Christmas after all, and you know, you got loving parents and all that kind of stuff or other loved ones that, you know, want the best for you. Uh, in this particular film that I will be talking about, Jingle All the Way, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm-hmm. can you name the toy that it desperately sought after? Before I don't started? know the name of it. It's like a little <laughs> action figure or something, right? You gotta, you gotta know the name of the toy, Evan. Okay, I don't okay, know what to tell you. Look, it. I appreciate that you've put some time into this. You've crafted a whole narrative <laughs> around these films that really barely connect to the films at all, but that's okay. It's not um, supposed to. Anyway, then why craft the anyway? (laughs) (laughs) The thing you got to know about me and Christmas movies, I don't care about Christmas movies. They don't do anything for me. I see them once. I never watch them again. You've never watched a Christmas movie more than once. Well, I mean, I've probably seen It's a Wonderful Life a few times. Like my parents, and you couldn't give me the rewatch movies. I haven't seen it in like five or six years. Okay, you know, Christmas with the Cranks. I think I saw it once. You know, I saw I saw the um, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie you're talking about. Um, I can't even remember the name of it anymore because I've been <laughs> on this rant for so long. I saw that movie on TV like ten years ago, and then that was it. So you, you're you are the definition. Yeah. By the way, the answer is Turbo Man. You're the definition of, of course Scrooge, it is. which leads me into my next question or my next story. You know, after a good night, reflect on everything. You know, all that extra food they ate and everything count your blessings count your mistakes for the year right you kind of start to reflect around christmas time uh mr screws sure did you know such as yourself right now evan uh but that has nothing to do with that in the film ghost of girlfriend's Past, it has nothing to do with it <laughs> starring matthew mcconaughey and jennifer gardner uh do we see this classic spin on such a tale what is okay i'm going to give you a letterbox rating here over or under this film 2.6 is this movie ghost of girlfriends past a spin on the classic a christmas carol over or under a 2.6 on letterbox look i'm just gonna say i got up i walked away for a minute came back you were still <laughs> talking still about talking. scrooge for some reason yeah you could have asked me who starred in ghost of girlfriends past and I wouldn't have been able to tell you. Is it better than two point six? No, probably not. Well, you'd be you'd be right to make that assumption. <laughs> it is not. It is a two point four on Letterbox. Deductive all right, reasoning. All right, all I right. Like <laughs> I like it. There you go. Anyways, I got a couple more questions for you, and my story continues because that's only Christmas Eve. <laughs> we gotta we gotta get to Christmas. Uh, so the next morning, it's a mad dash, you know, I got to gotta make it over to your parents' place, Evan, because that's, that's what we right. do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the one thing I look forward to, not seeing you, of course, uh, Merry Christmas, by the way. Seeing uh, Sean? Is, are the, yeah, Sean. Are <laughs> the cinnamon great. rolls. Love the cinnamon rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, but much like uh, any other person who probably has their favorite food, what is Buddy the Elf's, from the movie Elf's, favorite condiment or food that he can't go without? So... I'm going to disregard your question entirely and tell wow. my own story. So, okay. We will not be having Christmas together at my parents' house this uh this year. Did I, did I tell you what my mom told me um the other day? No, but I'm interested now. She, she gave me a call on the phone and she said, "So we made a decision about Christmas." And I was like, "Okay. okay great." I love <laughs> I the story. I love the story already. <laughs> it was like, "We're doing home for the holidays." 
and I was just like, what, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> that, that means nothing to me. That's not like you a do thing that. people do. You do that do. every year anyway. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm like, yeah, we are always home for the holidays. It is always at our home. So I don't understand. She's like, no, no, but we're doing home for the holidays this year. I was like, I still do not understand. <laughs> just means that no one was coming over. That's all she meant. Wow. The answer is maple syrup. Can we move on now? Wow, good job. You actually got one right. You knew that. I was, I'm proud of you. Is it because you've seen that movie more than once or you've seen it's it recently? It's because it's like the, uh, it's a, like the dead center of that movie. And I, I saw it a couple of years ago. Okay, fair enough. There's right. like multiple scenes, right? Where he puts the syrup on the spaghetti. He puts yeah. the syrup, puts the in, the syrup in the coffee. Yeah. That's an easy one. I tried to give one. you a little hint by saying it was a condiment if that helped it up. But you knew it. That's great. I'm glad this game This game is working out. I don't care what you have to say. This has turned into, you know, my Christmas story, your Christmas. I'm, I'm glad you're having a good time. Christmas story. This is what it's about, man. This is what it's about. Anyways, last question. So, you know, games are very relevant at your household on Christmas. We have the white elephant. I guess that's not really a game. But then we have that dice game that's really fun where there's like all these like miscellaneous tiny gifts in the middle and they're all in different size bags and all this kind of stuff. And and first round is to roll dice just to make sure all the gifts are, of course, consumed by everyone. And then second round is like a speed round where you're able to steal. And the one thing every year that I can't look forward to more is stealing the bags or whatever that have a snowman on it. That's my thing, right? Stealing. I thought it was a penguin. No, a snowman. Last year for sure was the snowman. Maybe the year before was a penguin. But you most just kind of pick one. It was a snowman. Yeah, it was a snowman last year. Regardless, who's everyone's favorite snowman, Evan? I know you know this. That's not the question, but it's Olaf. I don't need you to answer that. It's the snowman from the movie The Snowman. <laughs> Mr. No, Police that- Officer, I gave you all of the clues. <laughs> it's Jack Frost is the other snowman movie. No, that so- Jack Frost is not a snowman. He is a snowman. Look it up. Frosty is a snowman. Jack Frost is like a winter okay, yeah. guy. But the the movie's it's called Jack Frost and he's a snowman in the movie. It's like 19 something release, like 1990 or whatever. That's there's like 100 years in the 1990 or late 1900s. I just said 1990. That's why I changed it real fast. Yeah, but okay, go ahead. Anyways, Olaf and Frozen, our favorite snowman who gives warm hugs. I was going to tell you to uh, spew on why he's your favorite, but I won't go there with you because I know he's not. Rotten Tomatoes gave that movie 90%. Jack Frost, in this particular case, the movie Jack Frost. Yes, Jack Frost would melt at 90 degrees. Yes. That was a movie that was given 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. What are the average letterbox rating for both of those movies? Wait, so, okay. Question, question for you here. Yep. The first movie we're talking about, Frozen? Or are we yes. talking about some sort of spinoff Olaf thing? No, Frozen. 90% Fro- Rotten Frozen's Tomatoes. Frozen probably is- like a, what range do I have to be within? I want to see how close. I want to see how. That's why I gave you the Rotten Tomatoes. Score, uh, 90%. I, I think Frozen's Metacritic like a, 75, just to be fair, just to try and give you a little bit. I think Frozen's like a 3.6 or a 3.7. It's like right in there. Okay, pretty good. Um, and Jack Frost is Jack at a Frost, 19% I, Rotten Tomatoes. I have, I have not the slightest idea. One, you one want point a premise eight. of the movie? No. Okay. What did you give? What did you say? 1.8. 1.8. You know hey, what? That's too low. But, but okay. fine, I'm going. I'm sticking with it. I don't care. 
1.8. You are low on that. It's 2.2 is the average rating for that movie. Still pretty close. And you were a little high on Frozen. Is 3.4 was the average rating for Frozen. Hmm. That surprises hey, me. Maybe it's got, all the parents having to watch it a billion times. Yeah. I, I'd give you, you know, my story was probably an A to those still listening <laughs> at this point. And obviously you failed the quiz completely. But I hope you guys learned a little bit something about you know my Christmas uh, my Christmas story and what I go through for Christmas. Evan said I wasn't allowed to talk about Christmas, so I centered around a game. So there you go, Evan. Suck it. All right, Cody, we are closing out this episode, um, closing out this segment, and uh, what a segment it's been this, uh, this last uh, month or so of the uh, Small Axe project that uh, Steve McQueen did for Amazon Prime and the BBC in, in the UK. We are talking about the last film of this series, Education. So yeah. why don't you tell the people what education is? Uh, so this one is about a young boy whose name is Kingsley. And Great name. <laughs> ultimately, he's just he's kind of behind from in school. He doesn't really know how to read, and uh, his headmaster and all that get involved and tell his mom that there's this special school that can help him with the situation. And family's kind of at the moment not all like dialed in on what's really going on and you know she's busy at work and all this kind of stuff sister's busy doing her thing and same with the dad so they don't really think twice of it and, and they send them off to this special school and uh, throughout the process we realize that this special school is a little too much not on his wheelhouse he's is a little too much not a school it's <laughs> a little too much not even a school at all you're right um and Really, it's just his needs are not necessarily the special needs that are needed at this school because the school is, you're right, it's not even a school. It's just a place to send these misfit children who aren't really given the time of day because they're not given the right circumstances, right circumstances to have a, a good learning experience. And uh, we kind of go through, I guess, the educational system on the mom getting involved and all that kind of stuff, the family as a whole. And fighting the good fight, I guess. The the villain in this one isn't necessarily the police like any of the others. or It's the educational system itself, right? Like, you don't actually mm-hmm. see the enemy. And I think that's kind of cool. That's what makes this one uh, different from the others, is where this is all kind of behind the scenes. And as the system as a whole, the educational system, that is, um, on him having to deal with this. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I, and I, I'm glad you brought that up. So I'm going to just jump right in and, and go on a little deep dive here. Um, you always do. Because this installment of, of Small Axe is very different than the, uh, the other ones. Because again, in all of the other ones, except sort of Lover's Rock, there's like a, a brief uh, point where I think like a cop's walking by and like everyone kind of panics about it. But like, this is the only one that I don't think there's even a police officer present in this movie at any point, right? So a lot of the insidious nature of this film is being taken on by a system, like an amorphous 
character in in this movie not represented by any individual person right a lot of this has to come with like this background knowledge as well of like what is going on here because you know it it sort of makes sense if you're uninitiated to this kind of thing like you might think like oh, okay kingsley he can't read he basically failed an iq test like maybe he does need to go to a school that is more suited to his to his level but then to think that would also ignore the fact that like there is a historic uh racial bias in iq testing and if there is racism present in the school system as it, like the normal school system as it exists kids like kingsley who are um who are black or west indian communities that's one of the points they bring up later in the movie is that most of the kids that get sent to these uh these sub what are they called the schools for the something like sub normal children or something like that most of the schools that are the kids that get sent to those schools are from these disadvantaged communities so it's it's a combination of these things uh like it's a cycle where these kids get trapped in a regular school system that is not catering to them that is not trying to teach them that views their um like views them as problems that need to be sent off to this other school and then because that other school is solely inhabited by uh, communities of color or marginalized kids um those schools aren't given resources they're not monitored and that's where you end up with what i think is maybe the most powerful scene in this whole movie where the the quote-unquote teacher is just sitting on his desk singing the entirety of house of the rising sun (laughs) for his class as they just like look on aghast because like they're this is what they're learning it's it's insane and and so like i think that this movie is a lot more subtle than the other installments but in that way it's also really good i don't know what, what what were your impressions watching this yeah, I I think I know that we've kind of related all the other small axe films, at least you have, to like you kind of bring it all together. This mm-hmm. one to me screamed the red, white, and blue the most, like comparison wise. Okay. Um, and I think it's just because with that one, you you kind of you kind of glued in with him, right, going through the the academy and stuff, and him dealing with all these people as he tries to make a change in the police force. And here you're glued to a kid. There's always something about a kid, right? You're always, at least for me, uh, it's like more sympathetic for a kid, right? Like who Mm -hmm. is out of control of his situation. Um, In this particular case, he is, right? It's just his his only downfall is he just hasn't had the ability yet to learn how to read. Um, And that's what's powerful too, because you learn throughout the movie. um, His father, I believe, right? His father can't read. Right. And you hear the story where the, the, the women get involved that, that run the Saturday school and stuff. And, you know, one of the, the ladies there gets involved with going to the special school to begin with and tries to learn all these kids and their parents' names for these reasons so that, you know, as they visit to make these parents aware of their situation. Um, that's interesting as well, too, because you have all those parents in that room, right? Like a parent-teacher conference kind of thing. And, and that guy gets up one of the one of the fathers or whatever and, and shamelessly says the same thing like i've made it in my way in the world but i don't know how to read either 
Mm-hmm. So it, it's it it's like that would be Kingsley, right? Like you already feel sorry for this kid because right because he's not he's dumb. already been, he's already been written off in as as society, and you see these other characters, his dad even specifically, like that's his future if nothing changes. Um, and so there's there's I grab like I guess it's the tension I guess with education mm-hmm. that I relate to Red, White, and Blue because it's like oh man that's just kind of like seething kind of thing to have to deal with that. And then it's just, yeah, it's, 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 and it's relatable too, right? I, I can't put myself in his shoes. I understand there's, you know, but I hate the education system just to go off a tangent. It is so broken on so many levels. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So, not mm-hmm. to like go, not to go there with that. Cause that's not what the point of this film is at all. Um, outside of his struggles and stuff, not to get away from that. Um, core premise here but yeah the education system is garbage (laughs) yeah and it's especially troubling for kids that don't look like we do you know and so i think that's sort of what this is getting at as well where like in both this country and in the united kingdom like the school system is built to reward a certain type of student and it is meant as like a pipeline to get honestly like black and brown kids into the labor force and that's what it's designed to do and and we're trying to fix that now you know like um modern society which is weird to say because this movie is i think set in like the late 70s or the early 80s um but like i think people are paying attention to it a little bit more now and in a way education feels sort of hopeful because like like I mentioned just a second ago, like Kingsley isn't dumb. Like he's, when he goes to that Saturday school, he can do math just quickly on the top of his, like off the top of his head. He's curious. Mm-hmm. He's really interested in astronomy and, and he wants to be an astronaut and all of this stuff. Like he is a bright kid. He just hasn't, he didn't learn how to read and was embarrassed about it and never had the opportunity to, yeah. to learn it again. And, I want to, like, I want to, I totally want to cut you off. I'm sorry because it's, yeah, it's totally in my train of thought. That's, I think, that that ending was so cool too because uh, the sister... Spo- spoiler alert here. Spoiler alert, yeah. So this is the end of the film. The sister, right, is already... You know, they always tell her, why can't you be more like your sister? She's really into the fashion. She's very smart. Mm-hmm. She doesn't struggle like Kingsley does. But she takes him to that Saturday school and... Uh, the headmistress or whatever the one who runs the school the teacher she just goes oh you don't want to stay and and, and mentions mm-hmm. a character's name unfortunately i don't know who it is but a, a historical figure right to their kind of uh to you know to their heritage i guess you could say and all that kind of stuff so that was like really cool like to like she took the time to still come in and there's still something to be learned right like unless we have these adult figures who come talk to us about these things um like that kind of stuff would it it gets lost in history right if you don't talk about it if you don't tell these stories of these great revered people or anything like that there's always that there's always that extra bit of learning through history that i thought that i always think is really cool right i always want to like sit around a campfire or something and have you know my grandma or something like just tell the story of a historical figure that you know she you know had to deal with or whatever like in her life that she you know that's how like you learn right it's a way to learn and i don't know i, I it, it just rung with me to, to see the sister get involved at the end there and it, i don't know it spoke to me in some way probably yeah, I, tangent, I thought you but... were going to talk about when he starts reading at the end and and that t- that's cool too yeah i mean i Which think is... that kind of all ropes in 
great with, and it's such yeah. an emotional scene and and his mom played by charlene white who i had never seen in anything before i don't think she starts to tear up and it's just like a really emotional conclusion to this whole thing um yeah i i feel like this one is in a way more hopeful than the other ones on its face because the kids are getting to learn from mm-hmm. um from teachers like act like from women that actually care about them. And, and in this movie, they are women. Um, but in a way, it's also sort of not because I, one of the, the things that it leaves you on is they're going to apply to the Secretary of State for Education um, to get Kingsley back into regular school. And that is such, my heart sunk in that scene when they they're like oh well, we can your deadline's passed but we can apply to the secretary of state right and they said there's a new secretary of state for education margaret thatcher and as soon as they said margaret thatcher you knew like at least for anyone familiar with margaret thatcher who is just was an abhorrent prime minister of um of the united kingdom um there's no way like she is she pursued terribly racist policies um when she was prime minister and, and I, I'd have to research her time as uh, secretary of state for education, but like just knowing who she was uh, later on makes you think that there was no way that Kingsley got back into regular school. And, and it sort of is a reminder of the impact that like she had on, on the UK and that we're still in this fight against systemic racism. The UK is certainly in, in the United States is as well. Um, so for me, like that was the balance of, of this is saying that like, hey, things do improve, like, because these, these all go chronologically, right? So like at the time of Mangrove, there's no way that um, Leroy Logan could have been a, a police constable. But by the time of Red, White, and Blue, he can, but the system's terribly racist, you know? And like the expectation of a good ex- education, even during the time of Red, White, and Blue might not have been possible, um, but there are people fighting for it now at the, at the time of the movie education. So I think that one of the cool things about the series is it shows these different modes of protest um, and the progress that's made is seen from episode to episode uh, or, or film to film or whatever you want to call it. Um, but each one is sort of its own individual case of like how much work there is still to be done in these different fields. And, and in that way, like, Maybe that that's a good transition into this next thing I wanted to talk about with the series is like is it a is it a TV series is it a is it just separate films like what do you make of this because clearly they all speak to each other without any crossover of characters um, but thematically they do all seem like one story you know what did, what did you think now that you've seen all of them Cody first off I lied I don't want to. <clears throat> sit around a campfire with my grandma. I need to sit around a campfire with you. You're going to educate me, Evan. You know what you're talking about. You want to tell you how horrible Margaret Thatcher was? <laughs> Second, Is that what she wants? I was, I was just listening. Yeah, I was just like, oh, okay, okay, okay. You know, tuned out a little bit. I walked away like you did in the game okay. segment, and I came uh-huh. back, and you were still on Margaret Thatcher, by the way. So there must have been something bad there. Um, but yeah, as a, as a whole series, I think uh, now that I've seen everything, this would be more interesting to watch this in a short span like maybe one a day Mm -hmm. um, instead of the whole week thing because they do 
although different work together, like you said, to make that overall kind of message be heard. Um, and I think that's what's really cool that they are all different, right? With Mangrove or, uh, yeah, Mangrove with uh, Red, White, and Blue, right? It's, it's totally about the police, right? The police are very heavily, or the, the judicial system and all that, very heavily on the forefront of it, where something like uh, Lover's Rock or Education, there's not really a villain. There's the good side. There's the hopeful side of each of these kind of in their own respective ways. And so I like having all of that kind of get told to to bring that to the forefront, right? Where you do have systems that are, are fucked up. There's no way around not saying that. Um, but seeing everyone have the good fight, right? To see everyone, you know, mangrove, we talk about it because I think it's still probably our favorite scene from all the films, at least it is mine. Just the whole festivities outside of Mangrove itself and how, you know, the heritage and all that kind of stuff. Like it, it's, there's just something special in these, I guess, films. I guess that brings me into that neck. Like it's hard to call. That's why I say watch them all like kind of consecutively or like one after another, like in a day at a time, like within a five day span, because some of them don't feel like films. They're just so short and there's, and there's still a lot to unfold, but I, what was the, was Lover's Rock like an hour, maybe an hour and 10 minutes or something. The education was like an hour. Yeah. Sure. They're the, those two um, and Alex Weedle were, were, I short. guess. Yeah. Alex Weedle. It's just and Red, weird. Blue's only 80 minutes. It's just, yeah. It's just weird though. Cause it's like, I, I hear film and in today's day and age, even like the shortest films, like, like you think animated, a tight 90 minutes. Yeah. Tight 90 minutes. That's a film. That's why it's so hard. Like to call these, all of these except mangrove, like a film because they're just so short. Um, and, but as a whole, like the, the, the film, the, the message, the stories behind all of them that all correlate together and have their threads that, you know, all drive like it would be it would be like a cop board right like a detective board we just have all these threads and all that from like a focal point and stuff like that's what steve mcqueen did there mm -hmm. and uh it, there's just so much to praise in this in all these uh films that he's he's gone about and done and i know you've revered them even more than i have um so i guess i'm interested to have your take on it yeah every one of these is going to end up in my top 40 at least i think alex Weedle's the only one outside of the top 30 maybe Right now, I don't know. I'm still working that out, and we'll we'll have something to say about that in the close, I think. But uh, I, I think it doesn't really matter, right, to me. And I know I just teed you up with that whole question, but like, it doesn't matter if it's a TV show, if it's an anthology, if it's a if it's five separate films. It's just cool that these things exist, and that they exist on a in a way that like they're accessible to millions of people. Uh, I I think. The other thing to say about these is you're right. Like Mangrove is a film like Mangrove. It, it you could put it in a movie theater and it would do just fine. And it, it would be tr like traditionally what you imagine as like a theatrical film. Mangrove is two hours long. It's a, a traditional structure for a, for a movie and red, white, and blue is sort of as well. It's just all the acts are a little bit short. Um, but the other ones, uh, like I said, Alex Weedle, Education, Lover's Rock, none of those things are what we traditionally think of as films. They don't follow the same structure. Uh, they don't have the, the depth and length to them. Well, they have depth, but not like the, the length of the film. Lover's Rock is just a total experimental project, really. I mean, that's not 
there, there are no acts to that movie. It's, it's just people chilling at a party. Like that is, and it's great. Like it's wonderful. So, so for me, I think it's really cool that Steve McQueen was given a bunch of money by Amazon to make these things that he wanted to make. And they just said, all right, we trust you put out what you want to put out. And he just delivered with five really good films uh, or five really good installments or whatever you want to call them. But I think that we've spent a lot of time today and this month talking about systemic racism. And I think that's good and all that. Um, I think that, you know, we've probably spent a lot more words on it than two white dudes in America probably should. And that, that is a conversation that, that should be had, um, that we should be listening to more so than, than, than doling out. But just to speak to the, to the quality of the films, they're, they're really great. So I don't know. Do you have anything else you wanted to uh, talk about with, uh, with small acts? No, I mean, I think a big part of appeal for a lot of these films, the ones that I appreciated more than the others are, are the true uh, story element to it. I always, like I said, anything like that I'm always a sucker for I like learning something I guess kind of ties in with education right great Mm -hmm. there's always something to learn so uh I think that's why a lot of these films kind of hit a chord for me just because it's like uh you know I like seeing a visual I guess of representation of what people of these nature like went through in their respective locations in the world and all that kind of stuff and it's everywhere uh the racism that is um and so that that's ultimately what I have kind of left to finish with there. So definitely, yeah. definitely check, check it out. Man. Yeah. It's definitely certainly unflinching it in its depiction of, uh, of some of the things that black people have had to go through um, in, in the UK specifically with this series. So it's, it's worth a watch and every single installment has a moment that sort of leaves you breathless. I feel like, um, which is awesome. Check them out. Like we said, they're on Amazon prime. Definitely worth watching. And on that, uh, note, and let's round it up, I guess, right? Yeah, there we go. Letterbox roundup. I have given education a three out of five stars. Three. Three and a half. Sorry. I, I was just looking at Letterbox, and I was like, "That's not what the rating was that you gave it." Um, I have given it a four out of five stars. I just think um, all of these are really incredible, and we're lucky to have them. Cody, that does it for another episode, but we are going to be back one week from today, hopefully, (sighs) barring any craziness, um, for our final show of season two, I guess it'll be, right? It will be. Can you believe it? We actually, a full year. Who would have thought? Anyway, what we're talking about next week, um, 99% sure it's going to be Soul. I think that's one we're highly anticipating coming out on uh, Christmas day on Disney plus. So that's something to look out for. And then we're going to spend the rest of the episode talking about our favorite films of the year, maybe like a top 10 list or something like that. Uh, I'm going to challenge both of us, Cody, to, uh, to publish a top 10 list um, by the time that episode airs. So that way we can. uh, Yeah. Wow. You can't, you can't put together a top 10 by next week. How do you? No, 
what if Soul? What if Wonder Woman eighty four is like absolutely just breathtaking and marvelous? Well, Wonder Woman eighty four and Soul both come out in two days, yeah. so you've got another five days to slot them into your. Uh, to you know, your it's list. Soul will probably like Mulan suffered for having to pay thirty dollars to watch that crap early, and probably <laughs> suffered half a star. So Soul probably automatically gains a half a star because it's going to be free, free on the platform. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward for to Soul. I I think that's the one that I that I kind of got pegged to maybe break the top ten of my list, which is going to really mess with my list a lot if it does. Um, and then I'm trying to think what else still is to come out. I still haven't seen One Night in Miami and Promising Young Young Woman, which I probably won't be able to see either of those until early next year. But that's okay. We can uh, we can only make a list of the movies we've seen, right? Yeah, we're gonna gonna talk about how you gave a movie with Charlize Ronan in it uh, less than three stars. Uh, yeah, I know that's. I don't want to talk anymore about Ammonite. <laughs> okay, Charlize Ronan is in it, and she's wonderful, and that's all I have to say. Um, hey, you know so, what? Anyway, where can the people find us as uh, as we're signing off here? Yeah, they can find us at our good old Twitter, our good old Instagram, and our good old Letterbox. All of that's tied into one at our website, spinningthereel.com, R-E-E-L, individually, at DJ Rope, at Sir Doyle, or Sneaky Snake 26 for it's, Evan. It's Sneaky Snake 26. I don't have an Instagram anymore. That's right. So there you go. I, I, I fixed it. You um, did. If you're, if you're listening to us, guys, we appreciate the listens, of course. You already found us on whatever platform you want to listen to us on. Um, and like Leave said, a rating or review if you can. That would be a wonderful gift for the holidays. Yeah. And speaking of holidays, we wish you guys nothing but the best during this time with you, friends, your family. Stay safe and uh, and happy Festivus. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Bye.